The next scene, taking on pop culture one scene at a time. Scrooge by the Ghost Now, Home Alone for the Holidays Later, Next Scene Pod on social media, and nextscenepod.com on the web. Welcome to Scrooge by the Ghost, the podcast where we haunt the 1988 holiday classic Scrooged, one horrifying specter at a time. I'm your host, Sean German, and joining us tonight are special guests from the Mean Girls Minute, it's Liz, our old buddy from Five Minutes of Mystery and Groundhog Minute, Dave Palace, and from Flash Gordon Minute, it's Eric. Uh, thank you guys so much, you guys and gals, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Yes, happy to be here. Thank you, Sean. Yeah, yeah. So, so thanks a lot. Um, un- unfortunately, Pete Mummert, uh, one more time, was not able to make it. He, uh, Pete Mummert, will not be joining us tonight. But we do have a, a pre-recorded holiday greeting that Pete sent along, and-, and we'll be playing that a little bit later in the show. Uh, but before we get to that, let's uh, let's give a summary of of what we're covering in this section of the movie. So we are on to. It's uh, night four of our podcast in the movie. Uh, Frank is back on set of the Scrooge special, uh, returning from his adventure with the ghost of Christmas past. We see uh, Loudermilk stumbling out of a trailer after giving blood, trying to, I guess, supplement or, or replace that lost income after getting fired. Frank marches down to Claire's shelter, where he is mistaken for Richard Burton somehow. Uh, back on the set. Uh, rehearsals for Scrooge continue where Bryce has taken charge, sort of uh, replacing Frank. And when the show takes a break, Frank is left alone on the set and he encounters the second of the three spirits he was told of. In this case, it's the ghost of Christmas present. And uh, she takes Frank on an adventure where we see uh, the home of his assistant, Grace. We see Christmas Eve dinner with Frank's two brothers and, and family and friends. And then, uh, then revisit another friend from Claire Shelter before stumbling, bumbling back to the set of Scrooged. We finish where we began. Uh, but before you know, before we get to talking about those events and, and others um, from this from the section of the movie, uh, I want to throw this out. Uh, the question I've been asking my guests is, uh, you know, what's your what's your history with Scrooged? When when did you see it? Uh, longtime favorite? Are you a new convert? What do you think? Uh, well, let's start with Liz. So, what do you think about Scrooged? Uh, well, adult Liz is really into it, but I hadn't seen it all the way through until last year because, as a kid in the early '90s, my brother was watching it in the living room one day, and I happened to stumble in. In the uh, there's a scene in this uh, section we'll be covering tonight with. Uh, with some bubbles and mm-hmm. I was so that caught my eye and I sat there and watched for a minute and then the ghost of Christmas future appears and it freaked me out <laughs> I was terrified mm-hmm. so I was scared of this movie for um, approximately 25 years <laughs> it, it is scary yeah and I think it's supposed to be. So, uh, yeah, that yeah, sounds so like an appropriate I did not reaction. I did not see the complete movie until I was 32 years old. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully it was not as scary then as it was. I survived. I made it through. <laughs> you made it through. All right. Great. Uh, yeah, Dave, what's, uh, 
What's your take on the Scrooge? You watch it. You watch this every year, right? No, this is probably the <laughs> yeah. Christmas Carol version I've seen the least. I'm not a big fan of comedy and the Christmas Carol story. I'm gonna be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a huge fan of the George C. Scott one. So I guess like the the horror moments of this of this movie I really like, and then when it's comedy, I'm actually like turned off. I'm just like. So it's like it's like you know I'm walking to a Bill Murray movie. You expect comedy, but for me it's like well it's Christmas Carol. I actually enjoy the 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 more horror darker moments uh, more than I do the comedy. Interesting. So you're a real you're a traditionalist when it comes I think, to Christmas Carol. I think this is best when it's played like a Christmas horror film. Or I mean actually George C. Scott every moment's a horror film, but it's it's played very uh, somber and dark. And um, I think that's the, that's one of the reasons I like it the most. So it's like I don't care for the Muppets. I think it's it's trying to be too funny throughout at times. And I'm just like, no, I like it dead serious. So when you have Christmas Day at the end, it really feels joyous. Like you really got through those those haunting ghosts with Scrooge. Okay, yeah, I can and I can see that the this is. Certainly a, a great departure from the original material. And I think it is. It is supposed to be scary. It's 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 Scrooged is scared straight in, you know, in the tale in A Christmas Carol. He's mm-hmm. supposed to be scary. Um, I don't I, you know, I, I don't mind. You, you mentioned my f- personal favorite adaptation, which is the Muppets Christmas Carol. I don't mind a little levity with the uh, with the horror or the frightening aspects. But um, sure, that's one way of looking at it. And uh, Eric, Eric, what's your take on the Scrooged? Uh, I'm the I'm the counterpoint to Dave. I I saw this movie for the first time probably on HBO when I was in high school. I did not see it in the movie theater, and I think this movie is absolutely hysterical. Um, I love how funny it is. I think it's one of Bill Murray's best movies, and it's been it's over the 25 years, 30 years, whatever since it's come out. It's one of those movies that for me, when it comes on, uh, I end up sitting there and wasting time watching it again because uh, I think it's absolutely hysterical. Yeah, I, I think it's handled well. And, and um, the director, Richard Donner, kind of shares, Dave, some of your apprehension. He was he was not quick to take the job and, and skeptical of, of turning this into a comedy. But I think it's a nice mix. I think it it contains enough of the original story to get the message across. And it's got, uh, obviously, some extra stuff that's not in the original, but I think uh, I think it does well, and I think it's uh, and a lot of it hinges on Bill Murray. If you don't like Bill Murray, you, you're, there's almost no way you can like this movie. Um, now I don't know how you can not like Bill Murray, but if you just happen to be one of those people, um, because there's just so much of him in this. I like Bill Murray uh, from his movies of the '70s, '80s, and early '90s. I'm a little tired of his public persona the last few years. Oh yes, yeah. I'm, 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 re- I'm referring to to Bill Murray as you know as an actor on the screen. I'm yeah. not. You know, I don't know what it's like to live with the guy. Um, all right. Well, so let's get to uh, to the the movie itself and uh, and this section of the film. So yeah. So Frank has literally just returned from his adventures with the Gris- Ghost of Christmas Past, and he is now on the set. Uh, during dress rehearsal for Scrooged, which is the the version of A Christmas Carol that he is, I guess he's producing. Um, 
at one point they talk about a, 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 a former director, but he doesn't spend, Frank doesn't spend a lot of time on set. So um, I would think he would be there more if he was the director, but uh, I don't know how, how TV works. I feel like if he was the director, this would be even a more crass um, Christmas Carol. Like, I feel right. like, I mean, it's like we already have sexy dancers and uh, acrobat and those promos, but I feel like if he had even more creative control, I think he would have made it even sleazier. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I definitely get that feeling that he wanted to go even further if, if he could have. Um, now, he just happens to walk in. This scene is the, the scene that they're rehearsing. I tell you, it, mu- it must be from uh, from the time of, of Scrooge's past. I guess he's, he's talking with his former love or his former girlfriend, and she's lamenting Scrooge's choice to choose business over, uh, over her, basically, seems to be the, the gist of the speech that she's giving before Frank interrupts. Because he's, uh, he's a little bit, I don't know, discombobulated. He's kind of off his rocker. I mean, the ghost did a great job. They dropped him right there, right as like his past coincided with Scrooge's past. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think that's on purpose. And obviously, we see it at the audience. And I, I think the ghosts are trying to emphasize that to Frank to say, "Are you, you know, are you picking up the parallels? Do you see that what you know what you're doing in your television show or in your special is you know the same thing that's in your life?" And I, I don't think Frank does get it. Do you I don't know. Do you, do you guys agree? Do you see? Do you think the ghosts are doing that on purpose? Oh, yeah. I think it's like a a big flashing neon, your life is imitating your art. Your life is imitating your art. Or, wait, is it supposed to be the other way around? Whatever. (laughs) Whatever the saying is, they're flashing it in neon at Frank. Yeah. And, you know, he's, he's, well, we'll see. We'll see how much he gets and how much he doesn't get. Well, he's not getting it at this point in the movie. Right. Well, it'd be, and he, he kind of can't. He, well, he, yeah, yeah, I mean, we, we wouldn't have much of a movie if he got it this early on. Right, right. You know, enlightenment has to take time. It's, it's a process. So Frank decides to head on down. He whips out the, the business card from our old buddy Claire, and he's going to give her a visit, which I think is a step in the right direction. I think the ghosts would approve. I'm curious what he was expecting when he was doing that walk, talking to himself. And this, I think it's like a, his speech, it's weird. All right. Am I the only one who found his tone when he's talking about like when he's like his birthday and stuff? Like he's like sad, but is it like, is he being ironic? Is he being? I, I felt like he was walking down the street in a musical. Like, I felt like he should be singing in, <laughs> instead of whatever it was he was doing. I was, the way he was moving on the sidewalk and, like, swinging around that light pole with his elbow and knocking into the thing next to it, I just felt like he was, he f- was moving and speaking like he was going to break into song at any moment. Well, also, he... We don't see how he got from the TV studio to the shelter, um, but the implication is that he was ranting like that the entire time that he was getting there. So, you know, was he walking down the street? Was he on the subway? Was he in a taxi? Was he on a bus? Either way, he's in public for X number of minutes 
you know, just ranting out loud like this with, without a care in the world that he is in public ranting like this. As of recent events, right. I doubt he'd be taking a taxi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe he's sworn off taxis for a while. Maybe he's just he's just walking. Yeah, so I, I, I got kind of the same feeling that we're getting the end of this long conversation slash argument um, that he's been having with himself that we kind of catch the end. Um I, and I kind of see what, what you're saying, Liz, because when we cut in, he's like, he just emerges. There's like two guys that are close together. One's lighting the other one's cigarette. And then Frank cuts right in between them. And that's kind of like the moment he's like, it's almost like a like coming out from behind a curtain. Yeah. That, that you know, these guys separate and he walks between them. And like, that's the moment he should be bursting out in a song. And he's kind of. Like a like slaloming between light lamp posts and people on the sidewalk. That it is kind of a, a musical feeling to it. Yeah, the the impression I got is is this is uh, supposed to be tuning us into the emotional vulnerability that Frank is 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 kind of entered that he or unsureness. He's not on steady ground after the visit. You know, first from his former boss and now this ghost of Christmas past. That he has these emotional swings that he can be like defiant, and then all of a sudden he's, I guess, melancholy. Not 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 weepy, but when yeah, when he gets into like, oh, it's lonely at the top. Well, maybe on birthdays and sunsets. Yeah, he shows a little bit more emotion than I imagine a man like Frank Cross usually likes to show. Now I have to uh, I have to call out as a native New Yorker uh, some geography problems here. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was just about to get into that, but please, okay. yeah. So, um, first of all, uh, the the business card you mentioned, I noticed that Claire's phone number starts KL5. Yeah. Uh, you know, letters, when, when, when did letters stop being used in phone numbers? It was certainly way before this movie was filmed, so. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, w- I was alive in the 80s and old enough to remember phone numbers, and None of them had letters, yeah. unless it was from a business where the whole number spelled out. There was like one eight hundred mattress was right, it, and everyone else. But it's it's you know KL five is the old five five five. Right, that's the letter version of five five five. Yeah. So the business card said West Forty Third Street. Right, uh, West Forty Third Street. The shelter. Mm-hmm. Um, however, he's now walking, and we see he passes a sign that says Nine Hundred East Third Street. Right. So not only is that obviously nowhere near West 43rd Street, but there is no 900 East 3rd Street in Manhattan. Right. Uh, there is one in Brooklyn. I don't mm-hmm. know if he's supposedly if the shelter's supposed to be in Brooklyn, but there's not one in Manhattan. But then to make everything even worse, the building has a sign. It's the 9th Street Temporary Shelter. Right. So there was not a lot of detail, attention to detail put into uh, this set and the props for this specific uh, sequence in this movie. Right. They're they're all over. <laughs> um, the only thing I could think of, and I, I noticed the same things, is that because the sign says temporary shelter, maybe they're usually on 9th Street, and then for whatever reason, they've been forced to move temporarily, and so they're temporarily on 3rd Street instead of 9th Street. Um, none of which addresses the business card. Still, <laughs> I mean, you're a full temp shelter. Yeah, yeah. You're you're forty blocks. If you're on Third Street and your business card says Forty Third Street, you're forty blocks off. <laughs> you're gonna have trouble getting mail. Definitely. No wonder he's so angry. He can't find it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and if he's walked all the way to Brooklyn from uh, from Midtown Manhattan, and, where the yeah, not only that, but but East Third Street is is East like Street. deep in the heart of Brooklyn. It's not even like it's just over the bridge either. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that may that may explain. And there's there's <laughs> there's there's uh, there'll be further geographical questions that I have coming up. Um, so this is definitely and as you as you you should know at this point the fact that it's Bill Murray and it's comedy and and everything they're doing that deviates from the original that. Um, they're trying to the, – it's the spirit. The spirit of Christmas, the spirit of a Christmas carol, they're not really worried about accuracy on on many levels. And most of the Christmas carol stories, isn't Scrooge's love – does just usually like either remarry or die or something? Like I don't think he ever really reunites with her in any of the stories. Right. Yeah. In the original, she is dead. Um and the well, so yeah, the ghost of Christmas past refers to her when he, he takes them back and he sees her, and then he refers to her. You know, she's died, but she did have a child, and that's the nephew. Ah, Where in this yeah, in this yeah. version, it's um, it's his brother is the family member that invites him to Christmas that he blows off. In the original, it's a nephew. Um, although I guess it wouldn't be her son. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute. How yeah, that... she wouldn't. Yeah, I, I, I was like, yeah, okay, I get that. And then I was like, wait, that's no. not my nephew. Yeah, that suddenly dawned on me. <laughs> that doesn't make no. That she, her, her son wouldn't be his nephew unless she married his brother. I don't know, but yeah, so she's dead. There is no. That's another. Um, yeah, another area in which this is deviated from the original is that yeah the, um, yeah the original happy ending is just he's he's nicer to his clerk Bob Cratchit and he's. Um, decides to have Christmas dinner with his nephew and his family, but uh, there's no reuniting. I guess that's a kind of a modern thing that always has to be a, a kind of a love interest kind of thing they throw in. But it's that you know what it gets us more Karen Allen, so I'm not complaining at all. All right, so then Frank enters the Ninth Street Temporary Shelter, and with all his emotional ranting and raving, he's mistaken for a customer. And not just a visitor. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Richard Burton joke. Am I too of a millennial or is this like, like how old, what's the minimum age you need to be to get this joke? Because I was like, I had to look up, I'm like, this is a very old actor who's been in some movies. He's been in movies like a, like a while ago. Like even from 80s standards, it felt like. I, I, I needed the Liz Taylor reference before uh, I really got it. But also a millennial, so not sure how helpful that is for your question. Yeah, I mean, when I when I saw this movie as a high school in the early '80s, I only knew Richard Burton as that guy who had been married to Elizabeth Taylor at some point and was in the movie Cleopatra, which I never saw. Uh, so that was my only frame of reference for him. So uh, it, it's interesting that that's the actor they chose to do it for. And I might add, I don't really see the resemblance either. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's an interesting choice. Yeah. So, so Richard Burton, uh, as you said, married to Elizabeth, uh, Taylor multiple times, I believe. Yeah. It was kind of, when I was young, when I first saw this, it was a name I recognized, but I don't think I would have known if he looks anything like, uh, Bill Murray or, or not, um, Richard passed away um, actually relatively young at the age of 58 in 1984 and and worked right up until the end. His last credits, he's got a couple credits in, in 1984. Um, and yeah, this is and, and listener, if, if you know anything, I I haven't found anything in my research to indicate that perhaps this script sat on a shelf 
because this is just another one of those references that would have been really on point if the movie had come out four years earlier. Hmm. You know, in 1984, this would have been, you know, the year Richard passed, it would have been um, very relevant along with things like Mary Lou Retton having been in the, the, the 1984 Olympics and the Solid Gold Dancers with Solid Gold still being on television and a lot of the other things. Uh, whereas by 1988, Solid Gold had been canceled. There had been a whole nother Olympics by the time this was released. Richard Burton had been dead for four years. And you've got a lot of kids that um, have no idea <laughs> what you're talking about. So, yeah, this is just another another way. Now, so the... God, I feel like you could have just played Mad Libs yeah. and updated a few pronouns and you would have figured it out. Like you would have gotten a half decent joke for each one of these moments. Yeah, I imagine there would have been someone more current that they could have thrown in there. Or I don't know if maybe that was the point that that these, you know, that the, the people in the shelter were so old and out of it or they were old and they were out of it not just not that those things were necessarily connected but they were so far down on their luck that maybe the news hadn't yeah. filtered down to them of, <laughs> of, of was, the the state of mr burton at this time but <laughs> what was the last time you think either of these guys saw a movie in the theater maybe four years yeah i mean <laughs> four or five years yeah, yeah. I, I, it doesn't seem like it was probably any time uh le- more recent than that yeah. So, so were any of you able to pick up? Did you recognize anything from the little, the little bit of the little speech that Frank gives? The little bit of Richard Burton he does. Okay. So this speech is the specific reason that I requested to be on uh, today's episode because right. I think that this is, even though I've never seen Cleopatra, so I don't get the specific dialogue, but <laughs> I find the impression so incredibly hysterical. This is my favorite line of the entire movie, even though I don't even get the context of it, because I just think Bill Murray is so funny putting on the goofy voice and the face and doing what clearly is chopped up lines of dialogue from the movie, because it, do- it doesn't even make any sense. And I know at some point he mentions the fall of Cheops, and at the end he says, I swear by thee I forswear, uh, and... A very geeky story about this specific scene that I will reveal now. Mm-hmm. In college, um, this movie came on, and I, was, I started watching it, and uh, one of my roommates came, sat down, and he was watching with me too, and then this scene came on, Bill Murray did the, the line here, and then I turned the TV off, and I got up to leave the room. And my roommate said, what are you doing? Where are you going? I said, oh, I, I, got, I got studying I have to do. I'm, I'm done. He's like, but why'd you turn it off right there? I said, I was waiting just for that one scene, and now <laughs> I, I saw it, and it's done, so I got to go study now. <laughs> All right, <laughs> just that one scene. Yeah, I would. I, I kind of. I've never seen Cleopatra. I, I'm kind of with you. It, it sounds Cleopatrish. It sounds like <laughs> ancient Egyptian sort of speech. The only thing, just kind of looking over his uh, his IMDb entries, the only thing I, I'm sure that I've seen is Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, uh, the, the film version of that, where um, Liz Taylor played. Uh, you know, they they played husband and wife, uh, and that that was a long time ago. I I don't remember it well enough to say whether or not this is a good Richard Burton. Yeah, the only Richard Burton movie I ever saw was Beckett, and I saw that probably thirty years ago. So I I, I wouldn't remember the how well it matches up with him, but uh, I don't care. It's just so funny to me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I honestly think a better joke would have been to play up the fact that. 
Frank like spent so much time watching TV because he didn't have like a good family, mm-hmm. and they play it up in the in the in the past section. I think it would have been better to actually have him argue about about the career of Burton a little bit. Like he's already fired up about like having to walk down here, and you know he's going he's going to yell at Claire about you know how she left him. I think it would have been funny if a guy approaches him with his opinion of Richard Burton and he just used that time to be like, no, no, Richard Burton. And and I think I would have been, I would have gotten more out of, and I would have been like, had a little bit more back and forth. You just feel like, you know, these, 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 the loony homeless come over to him. The one lady I recognize from the Goonies gives him a, a drink mm-hmm. of, I'm guessing, just warm water in a bottle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that he fake drinks. And then, yeah, he does that line that, 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 that Eric likes uh, for some reason. And then, uh, <laughs> And then yeah, then we go to Karen Allen, which is like we're up. Well, you know, I'm excited to see Karen Allen. Okay. I just feel like yeah, we could have easily made a really funny like you know, uh, quick comments. Have you have, have like a, these four argue about Richard Burton or, or something? I don't know. Just I feel like that yeah, joke no, was I, too quick that we we didn't. I didn't get anything out of it. It didn't, it didn't go. It went oh, too fast. I like it. It's a it's a glimpse of his. It's a glimpse. It's like a mini character moment. It shows that there is still a human inside. If he just keeps arguing. Then it's it it he's so one dimensional before his turn that it's like well why would the ghost even bother to try and dig out what's inside I think this gives us a glimpse that he's going to humor these three people who are utterly down on their luck it really doesn't do him any harm he probably did see this movie on TV when he was glued to it as a kid so he knows this one thing and. He knows that, I mean, if they think he's Richard Burton, his impression could be absolute garbage and they're not going to care. And, <laughs> and so yeah. I, I, I kind of, it, it's literally the only thing about, that's decent about Frank in this entire section. And you kind of need that little snippet if you have any, any bother about whether he gets it right in the end or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I and do look agree. at the one guy's response. I mean, he's just like, "Oh, it's marvelous." I mean, he's in heaven, you know. It's perfect to him. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I agree. It shows a little bit that he, yeah, he is willing to humor them, and he's not. He could have fought his way out and, and and just ignored them completely or argued with them. So I do like it. Shows a little bit of humanity, a little bit of sympathy that he gives them. He gives them, uh, and he, you know, I again, I don't know how good of an impression this is, but he does put some effort into it. I believe. Um, but yeah, I also agree with Dave. Yeah, it could have been maybe a little bit more on message if it was um, a TV star. You know, they, they thought he was Fred McMurray or something. Or, <laughs> you know, if he had done a speech. From, that would have been a really dated <laughs> reference, though, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> was he married to um, someone I might know? Because I have no idea who that is. No, he was he was married to no one. <laughs> he was oh, the father he may on, have been uh, married to someone on but My Three Sons, a TV show from the fifties. Okay, yeah. but it, yeah, if it had been someone from from the from TV, and particularly someone who had been on TV in the fifties, and if he had done something from television, um, I guess you know, I mean, Richard Burton did some early TV in his career, but he's mainly. You know, mainly known for movies, and and this we're we're pretty sure that this speech is from a movie. It may have been a little bit more on, on message if it had been, you know, just yeah, consistent with what we know of Frank. If it had been, uh, you know, someone from from television, and if he had done a line like a famous line from uh, a famous episode of some TV show, but yeah, 
You guys are not going to kill my my buzz on this line ever. <laughs> but it is it is it is it, you know it is it is a it is a good delivery. It is it is entertaining and it pleads you know it pleases the crowd and that's what it's all about. And I got to say also the 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 three characters. I mean, this is great casting. I think all three of these characters are known for playing kind of weird people in their careers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned Anne Ramsey; she was also the mom from from Mama from the Train. Right. Uh, Michael J. Pollard, who's Herman. I mean, he's he plays weird guys throughout his career. Mm. Uh, and the other guy, Logan Ramsey, is Anne Ramsey's husband, and he, uh, in a complete non sequitur, he's in my favorite all time scene from all time mash scene from a mash episode. Uh, so I'm a big fan of his just from that one scene that he did. Oh, I hadn't realized he had been on MASH. Yeah, one he's in one epi- one scene in one episode of MASH, and it's my favorite scene of MASH. Nice, nice. Yeah, so some, some good actors there. And then, uh, so Claire kind of overhears this and notices old Lumpy <laughs> sitting there with the, you know, kind of holding court in front of his audience and, and comes over to rescue Frank from these folks. And uh, once again, you know, we, we, we saw her in the past. Now we see her in the present. It's the wonderful Karen Allen. And uh, so she's, um, you know, she's happy to see Frank. Frank's happy to see her. He wants to whisk her away for some Chinese food. It looks like we're, looks like we're ready to wrap up this whole thing a little bit early. Frank has, has seen the light. He's ready to mend his ways. And then, then the backslide. But before even and that, he before just even that. he greets her with a kiss on the mouth. It yeah. has been entirely too long for that to be an appropriate greeting. Yeah, I thought that too. It's been fifteen years. That's that's just like if I was if I was Claire, I would have punched him in the face. How are you after fifteen years your greeting is to just grab me by the shoulders and kiss me on the mouth? No. Big no, shoulders sir. of hers. I mean and he I, he had a lot to grab onto though because those shoulder pads are impressive. <laughs> She's hiding the turkeys up there. Yeah, the, the, yeah. On that that uh, sweater that matches that her sweater, eyes perfectly yeah. though. Yeah, it is the eighties. Um, well, they they did see each other briefly yesterday when he gave her the card. So it hasn't been. It's not like it's been fifteen years with no contact. You know, he did call her, left a message, and then when they saw they he saw her briefly yesterday. But uh, and it is it, it's closed mouth. It is kind of a pack, but it is, um, yeah, lips to lips. Yep, but she doesn't object. I guess. I guess that's uh, maybe they yeah. have something established in their relationship that you know he knows about her that she'll be okay with this. Right. But it may be very uncomfortable. I mean, she still calls him lumpy. You know, she 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 still calls him that. She doesn't call him Frank. She really won't. right. She's got the old yeah the old nickname. So um, I'm just, I'm just yeah. noticing this as we're uh, here. I was just running this scene uh, as we were talking about it, is that either Rowan Atkinson or a guy who looks exactly like Rowan Atkinson in the hat that walks around them? With the beard? No, not with the beard. He's got a black hat, and he walks right in front of them and then circles behind them at like the three-minute, 25-second mark or so. (laughs) And if you freeze it as he turns and looks at them, boy, does it look like Rowan Atkinson in some random like two-second cameo. So let's see. It's Frank. It's Claire. He walks in front of them. No, not the nose. No, the nose. No, he's the nose is off. Okay. Rowan Atkinson has a nose that like dips down a bit at the end. Yeah. Okay. Just goes up a bit. 
Uh, it's close, though, yeah, other than the nose. But I get you, though. Yeah, and he's kind of, like, circling, he eyes them. He's probably, like, looking at that sweater going, oh, those those shoulder pads, that'll keep you warm <laughs> at night. <laughs> but the color just matches her eyes perfectly. Yeah, yeah. Well, she knows how to dress, um, even on a budget. Why wasn't Karen Allen in more things, Sean? That I I ask myself that question all the time. Like, I'm just watching. I'm like I'm like what she she was in Raiders uh, and she was in you know I'm not saying Starman was a, is a big movie, but I'm just like why why could she why, why, what happened? Why, did she have a shitty agent or something? Well, she was in Animal House. I guess I guess I just well that yeah I mean that's her that's her first I think that's her first movie that's early on. Yeah. Um, I mean, she does. You know, I, I I admit I have not seen a lot of the things she's in, and I don't know if they're necessarily big parts. But she worked. There's, you know, she's got a lot of things yeah. all through the '90s, the late '80s, and the '90s. Um, I mean, like I apparently, according to IMDb, she was in Malcolm X. Uh, I don't remember that, <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, She's in, yeah, so so Until September in 84, Starman in 84, Terminus 87, The Glass, Menag- Glass Menagerie in 87, Backfire and Scrooged in 88, Animal Behavior 89, um, a couple TV movies in 90, Sweet Talker 91, The Turning and Malcolm X in 92, The Sandlot, where she was the mom. I'm just saying, did she, did Hey, she's still. Oh, she's still. Sandlot. She's still working. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing is, I I actually like the Sandlot, and I don't even remember. I know Dennis Leary had a few lines, but mm-hmm. I'm guessing, yeah, she was the mom to Dennis Leary, but uh, him be the dad. But yeah, I don't. Rem- you know, clearly, that's not a movie maybe, about the parents. That's a movie about the kids. Clearly, hey, maybe it in, is the agent because yeah, she she's in a lot of things throughout the the 80s and 90s. She was in Crystal Skull, but not a lot of stuff that I've heard of. She was in no. She was in Crystal Skull, but it was kind of like <laughs> they threw her at us. Like, huh? You like the movie, right? She's in it, and we're like, man, you should have done that like two movies ago. Yes, that's where we're like, and it's also like the it's like the the set, like end of the second act too. It's like we're really tired of Kate Blanchett's accent. We're like, we're just tired, <laughs> and we're like, look, I like John Hurt, but John Hurt's boring me. And then and then uh, and then what's his name? Uh, 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 the 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 English guy won't shut up. Jonesy, it's me. I'm like, you can leave this film, buddy. You can leave this film at any time, and it's, I'm not going to care. And then she uh, shows I... up, and I'm like, thank God. Like, somebody I enjoy is here. God damn. Yes, we, we always enjoy Karen Allen. Yeah, she should do more stuff. Or I should see more of the stuff that she's done, apparently. I have not seen Kingdom of a Crystal Skull. If you ever want to get uh, drunk and watch it, Sean, I will watch it with you. But, like, I'm going to curse at that English guy. I don't know who he was and why he's in my movie, but get out. Ray Winston. Okay. He's like, it's- Josie, it's me. I'm like, no one knows you. Shut <laughs> up. Don't try to establish yourself. You're, you're, the, you're the embodiment of fetch. You're not going to have <laughs> Just shut up and leave the film. Oh, my God. He, would, he wouldn't stop. Ugh. I honestly don't know the guy from Adam, but he's just some English guy, and okay. you know he just starts showing up in like yeah. the the, the mid aughts. Could be Richard Burton for all you know. <laughs> yeah, I was like, get out of Richard Burton. It's not the re- 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 reincarnated Richard Burton. <laughs> and I was like, you know, 
All right. So, um, yeah. All so right. back to the movie. Back to, the, back to this. Yes, 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 yes. So Claire is approached by uh, two two women, two of her fellow volunteers at the shelter, and they are bringing her problems, but not solutions. And Frank is like, just you know, they can handle it. You got to learn to delegate. Let's uh, go get the Chinese. No, yeah. no. He he's an extra jerk about it. Yeah. They're big mm-hmm. girls. They're mm-hmm. big girls. <laughs> Why you got a body shame, Frank? Huh? Oh, yeah, huh? Shame. Huh? Yeah, he's a body shame. Yeah, just when we thought Frank might be getting better, he shows he us. He has a kind, uh, well, uh, a passively kind moment with three down and out folks. Right. And then immediately is rude. Uh, yes, yeah, so, I mean, the movie's point is that he's is a jerk, to use a PG term. And, and I th- in, in today's segment, this is his jerkiest moment i mean mm-hmm. he's she says i need to make two quick calls i mean he showed up out of nowhere wants to take her out and he can't wait for her to make two quick calls and just, just it was his idea and he then blows her off just because he can't wait you know two three minutes so this is this is this is the setting up of just how much of uh as as he's called uh, later on in the movie as he refers to himself a schmuck a schmuck yeah i mean i mean it's like and claire i feel like She's almost oblivious to how rude he is for a little bit. Maybe because she's known him so long. I don't know. Maybe he's done little rude snappies. Because I would have been like, Frank, like, calm down. And then also, like, Frank's also trying to, like, standing hug Humper at the same time. <laughs> like, he keeps kind of grabbing her. And then, like, they they both, yeah. like, body press. I'm like, you guys are trying to bang standing up. This is... It's not going to work, man. <laughs> it's not, it's not going to work. But I feel like she should just say, like, the barriers are probably, you know, rather than I'll show you, it's probably like, the barriers in the basement. Like, where are we are the fuses? Where else are you going to put fuses? You're going to put, you're not going to put them in the kitchen. You're going to put them in the basement, probably. So they're probably down there. Uh, and AMP, yeah, they're pretty much jerks <laughs> and they haven't delivered the turkeys by now. AMP. you got to get them to thaw. Yeah, I mean, and it probably does have to be Claire that calls the AMP if she is in charge of this shelter. I do agree. I, I'm guessing right. that nobody else is going to be able to have the clout with the A&P manager to get done what needs to happen. That, like, I delegate the fuses. Listen, you mm-hmm. guys, we've got fuses. Look again. Try here. A&P, yeah, she probably has to make the call. But I like this because it's an additional challenge to Frank and... Oh, yeah. Um, and, and, and for the viewer to give you an idea of... What you you know what work you really need to do and and yeah I guess what work you need to do to be a good person to kind of get the message that this story in the movie is trying to to tell you because one of the things that at the you know all all these scenes this is all added in the original it goes from Ghost of Marley Spirit 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 and then Scrooge wakes up and it's Christmas. Yeah. There's none of these cutscenes. There's nothing in between. There's no interaction that Scrooge has with humans in between the spirits. Or Muppets. So we, yeah. So we don't get to see incremental growth. What what one of the things I'm getting here is, um, is 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 something that I see a lot that that people do is. He thinks he's doing good. You know, he, he thinks he's doing the right thing. Oh, I'm going to go. I'm going to meet up with Claire. I'll take her out to dinner. We'll rekindle our romance. You know, I'll, I'll show that I'm putting people over my career. And I'm, I'm now a good person. And I don't have to worry about the it. chains. Yeah. But it's not, you know, no. If it has to be on your term, if it's we're going to go to dinner because, you know, we're going now because I say now. And it's going to be Chinese because I said Chinese. 
well, then that's not really, that's not nice. That's not charity. If, it, if everything is on your terms, charity on your own terms, that's not charity. You have to look at the person, whether it's you're giving, you know, whether it's true charity that you're giving to someone or you're giving a gift to someone or you're being nice by taking them out to dinner. If you're doing it for the other person, then it has to be when's convenient for you. Yeah. And what restaurant would you want to go to? What kind of cuisine are you interested in? So to say, we're going now and we're going to Chinese. Yeah. That's not nice. That's not that's not a better person. That's, that's just a different kind of jerk. Yeah, Frank's that's, But it's not any better than just, oh, I'm not going to take you out to dinner at all because I'm working all the time. You know, you can't. Um, and I kind of I'm a little disappointed in the original because when Scrooge wakes up at the end and it's Christmas and it's like, oh, we're going to do, you know, screw you, Mrs. Cratchit and whatever you may have prepared because I bought the biggest goose in the shop and I'm just going to show up and say, here, I bought a goose. Now you've got to cook. it. Here's another giant <laughs> bird for you to cook. Yeah. Meanwhile, this thing, you know, this is you don't have a microwave. It's the 1800s. You know, this will be done sometime next Tomorrow. week. <laughs> you know, or to, well, and it's um, I don't know if they mentioned this on in, in the book. I don't remember. But depending on which film version you see. The goose is covered with feathers. Like, oh. it's not even oh, a prepared oh. bird like you might get at a market these days. Like, the thing literally has, like, the arrow sticking out of its neck. <laughs> and it's like, great. So, here you go. I bought you this huge bird that you now have to pluck and gut before you can even start on cooking. Um, so, again, so this is showing it's – he thinks he's being better. He thinks he's being kinder and more generous to say, hey, I'm going to take you out to dinner. But, again – if it's you're going to go when I say and we're going to go where I want to go, then he's just being as 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 thoughtful, as thoughtless and as jerky as he's been the whole time. And so that that's my takeaway of this this little bit. And then, yeah, the 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 big girl, not even big woman. It's you know, it's a double whammy. Um, the big girl thing is not not kind. And then when confronted, when Claire's like, no, I've got, you know, I've got my life. I've got things to do. I'm not going to snap too just because you decide to show up. He does not react well. He's not not an enlightened man yet. Yeah, he pouts like a big giant baby. Like a big giant baby. I uh, I want to just one one quick step back. What what this? There's that that raffle. I don't understand the raffle in this place. I feel like there should there's an unnecessary raffle in a, a shelter i feel like it's just it's just volunteers uh, and then the homeless that are being sheltered i don't really know who's coming in to buy tickets for a raffle tv okay so i what did pioneer uh like sponsor this movie because yes, uh, it's a pioneer tv <laughs> and later in this uh ghost episode we will we'll see uh some well you've already probably you've already seen it in the movie Mm -hmm. additional pioneer electronics they've got to say or show pioneer like 15 times in this movie the, yeah I, I don't know for sure but i'm, I'm my guess would be there's some sort of uh, sponsorship promotional deal or maybe uh, pr promotional consideration <laughs> or they're like the studio that put this out is owned by the same company or something there's there's yeah that that's not an accident but this is sort of odd it's a nice oh buy a raffle ticket you could win a tv help the homeless. Yeah. 
you know, depending on if, if I feel like I want or need a new TV, I might buy a ticket. I don't know if I'm going to walk into a homeless shelter. Right. To buy to buy a, a you know, to buy a, a raffle ticket. And certainly the people that like the, I don't know what you, I, I'm going to say customer for lack of a better term, but the customers of the shelter, you know, they're probably not in a position to buy a raffle ticket. Or even if they were, if they're at a shelter where are they going to yeah. use this TV? <laughs> are they going to use the TV? Yeah. Well, this is a big thing. Like, this is, like, these days, you can get a decent size, like an LCD flat screen. You can carry it around. They're pretty light. This is the, you know, the old-fashioned 1980s tube. This thing's going to, this is a boat anchor. This is going to weigh a ton. Yeah, yeah you're going to have a be... substantial domicile for that. Yeah, yeah. Again, you're, you're not a, a customer of theirs if you're in a position to... Um, so maybe they're just displaying television. the TV there, and they're going to go out in the community and sell the tickets. And, there you go. And, and, that would make a lot more sense. And you're and you're uh, when you come pick up the TV you won, you you uh, have to come to the shelter, and it's it's how they it's how they get you to then stay and volunteer. Uh, <laughs> right. Oh, I know what I got it. They've been going around for the last month, going to markets and malls and whatnot and and train stations they probably were you know uh, you know grand central and penn station and whatnot setting up with the tv and selling raffle tickets the drawing is december 24th the the drawing is like later today yeah so after the the tv's been on the tour and now it's back on the shelter where just the drawings later today but this thing has not been here the whole time yeah it's only here now because the drawing is going to be in a couple hours I get that. That's, that's what I'm going. That yeah, that's what I'm going to say. That's what I think. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. There you go. See, it all makes sense. Um, so he he's obviously he's, he yells at her about think think about herself and scrape everyone off. And he leaves. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, was it Herman? Was it outside who asked him? Yeah, Herman's outside. Ask him for what two dollars? Yeah, two dollars. I want my two dollars. <laughs> yeah, two dollars for what exactly? He says. You know, I listened to that several times because I couldn't figure it out. Maybe he was displeased with the last Richard Burton movie he saw, and he wants his <laughs> ticket money back. I can eat at my place, I think is what he said. It sounds like, so I can heat my place? Oh, heat his blanket, maybe? Because he's holding a control to an electric blanket? But how would $2 help you heat up, turn on the electric blanket? Maybe by the, ba- maybe maybe by the battery? Buy some batteries? Buy time buy the batteries, at a, yeah, maybe, bat- maybe it's battery-powered. It says, yeah, heat my place or heat my blanket, it sounds like. Yeah, I don't have the... Or maybe he means like a space heater to heat his place that we'll see later. Yeah. Well, that and then that would make, well, just, I, not to spoil it. Well, to spoil it, I assume everyone listening, is, you've heard the movie. So or that would that would tie in. Section. The, the <laughs> heat would be a thing for, um, for Herman later on. Yeah, Herman's going to need that heat. Yeah, Herman's I guess the the blanket does make sense because I don't. I know it's jumping ahead to the end, but I don't think he has the blanket with him when he's found. And if that is a heated blanket, it would make sense that that's what he was asking for some way to get that. Because if he had the heated blanket, he doesn't end up freezing. Yeah, I think I think you're right. It's it's got to be something that a battery powered something that he. Uh... Yeah, the blanket or the space heater or something. He still that... has the blanket. I think it's he doesn't have a way to turn the blanket on. Okay. And heated blankets aren't super warm if they're not powered. 
No, it's just a blanket. And it's a thin blanket, too. It's not yeah. even, you know, it's not a thick wool blanket or a comforter or, or, you know, anything with... It doesn't have any insulation on its own. Okay, I did pull up the subtitles mm-hmm. from the DVD. If the answer's not heat my blanket. <laughs> it says, hey, Dick, can you lend me $2 so I can heat my place? Hmm. Hmm. Now, I know... So this is 1988 that things are a little bit less expensive. There's inflation and whatnot. And, you know, from these days, but how much heat can you get for $2? Maybe he, maybe that's his name for his blanket. My place. My place. Or maybe the, the place that he has found is what he refers to as his place. Hmm. I still don't know how $2 is going to heat that space under the sidewalk, but. Yeah. Maybe he just Hey, means Dick, can you lend me $2 so I can heat my place? The only place he has that's his own is what's inside of that blanket. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And Frank's reply? <laughs> he gave it all to Liz. <laughs> I blew it on Liz. <laughs> Still in character. <laughs> oh, now I get it. Because <laughs> <laughs> okay. Richard Burton was, was, was married and divorced several times. Right. To Elizabeth Taylor. Yeah. To Elizabeth yeah, Taylor. Obviously, th- Which, this joke never worked for me, so like my brain was just not recording that. Right. You have to kind of know the who Richard Burton was and the relationship with... Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, that guy. I had been through that the whole guy. thing earlier, and I was like, I don't really know what's happening here. And then when yeah. he says, I blew it all on Liz, I was like, yes, that makes sense. I understand now. I blew it all on Liz. Although... You said my name, and it all makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> You're just listening for, for Liz. You're just listening for your name. Yeah, my ears time. just perked up, and I was like, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. That sounds right. Yeah. Though, it, I mean, Elizabeth Taylor, and, and I don't know about the, you know, the 50s or the 60s, but at least in terms of my lifetime, Elizabeth Taylor was always a bigger star than Richard Burton was. Shouldn't she be blowing his money on him? <laughs> no. Uh, I feel like he was still buying. I I don't. I just feel like he was still buying her diamonds and thing and jewelry and things. Yeah. Okay. So he blew it all on Liz. This is the concept I have in my head. I have no idea how accurate it is. Okay. It's my head we'll cannon. Yeah. Oh, and as uh, we just want to quickly mention, as Frank is storming away from from Claire, he gives her a humbug. Little shout out to uh, to a Christmas Carol. It's the only line he knows from the show he's producing. <laughs> the only yeah, the only <laughs> line he knows. And so, Frank, we make our way back on set. It is the last dress rehearsal for the upcoming performance, and it's uh, we see Scrooge marching through, and the the Scroogeettes scatter. The solid gold dance. I'm not gonna lie, I would probably watch this. It feels like we're very close to, like, a Fox live stage presentation. Like this. Like, like this is going to happen. We're going to have a live production of Scrooge from Inside Scrooge on Fox or something. I'm, yeah. They're doing Rent. Yeah. I mean. And I, I, yeah, I, I could see this totally happening. If you're, ha- you know, a live version of, of, of Scrooge with musical and dances and then the, you know, even some of the. The Christmas promos we get at the very beginning of the movie, um, the night the reindeer died. You know, you, you'd want to update it. I don't know if you necessarily want Lee Majors as your star, but I still would. 
Well, yeah, yeah. Is he the six thousand dollar man? Six million dollar man? <laughs> six million dollar man. Oh, that is yes. that the right guy? Six million dollar man, yeah. And the fall guy as well. Yeah. Again, both two shows that had been canceled by 1988. So another, <laughs> another reference that was out of date when this movie released was released, let alone 25 years later. But yeah, in, in certain respects, like this is a little prescient about where where TV is going and kind of where it has gone. That this is not entirely. I think at the time this was supposed to be part of the comedy and a little bit shocking of like what they're doing for a Christmas special and. Um, how unchristmas like this the production is, you know, sort of the disconnect between the production and the message of the story that they're telling. But, uh, you know, these days we're, you know, in this world, yeah, this would fit right in. This wouldn't surprise me at all mm-hmm. if, uh, if we see this this coming Christmas. <laughs> and um, we would, and we, oh. yeah, I mean, you'd have like the Jabberwockies or something instead of the Solid Gold Dancers. And, but, the Jabberwockies? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea is the same, you know. And I, I yeah, they I I keep forgetting that this is supposed to be like a well-known dance group. To me they just seem like dancers. Yeah, and I don't know I don't know if if the expect if the expectation was at this time that people would have recognized like the individual dancers, uh, you know, how famous they were as sort of TV personalities individually, but they certainly would expect people to know the name Solid Gold Dancers. Um, well, you know, it's Christmas. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's it's Buddy Hackett, another <laughs> another current reference, another <laughs> actor who was at his, you know, his, his pop culture peak in the late 80s. And America's favorite old fart reading from a book. <laughs> <laughs> and then Frank kind of, well, so... Uh, Bryce has kind of taken charge. The 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 man Preston has brought in to take some of the load off of Frank, and he stops the rehearsal. And I'm going to ask you guys, what do you think Buddy Hackett has said here? Oh, he says sea urchins. Yeah. He, oh, it's okay, for sure. That's what I thought. I thought he said sea urchins, and I've listened to it several times. I was positive it was sea urchins, but. When Bryce asked the crew and, and the cast and everyone, I thought they, they think it was street urchins. I, I think that's just they're playing to the star. Of yeah, the, just that's how I took it. Star. I, just, I yeah, took I just, it as he's a real grump off, you know, in real life, too. So they were all trying to stay on. Right. It's more important to stay on the actor's good side than the okay. whoever this think maybe, Like maybe is. just uh, Buddy here is a little maybe he's a little method. He's being like Scrooged all the time. So they don't want to yeah. want to upset him. Okay. Buddy Hackett method actor. There's, there's, there's a sentence I never thought. Of. <laughs> <laughs> eh, it, it could happen. Yeah, and then <laughs> Bryce sends sends everyone away for for dinner, and then Frank is upset as a, his power being usurped, and so you know, so Bryce calls everyone back so Frank can send them away again. <laughs> and this is like another thing that it's like you're, we've seen you in the office. We've seen you going down to visit Carol or Claire. We've seen you, you know, take a taxi ride through the ages with the ghost of Christmas past. He's not paying that much attention to this production, at least on the level of he's not micromanaging these, you know, the rehearsals. So all of a sudden he wants to be the guy that calls the breaks and, you know, when you go to dinner, when you come back and everything. 
it's another another jerk move from Frank Cross. Yeah, I mean, this is probably a lot of this is probably a lot of his ideas, and so if he's not around, well, someone's got to take the the lead. Yeah, so I don't really know if we're supposed to like or dislike this uh, this this younger producer guy. Yeah, Bryce, I th- I think we're supposed to not like. <laughs> I know I don't like him. Oh, I mean, he's the he's he's sort of the one person that you could could qualify as a quote unquote villain or antagonist of the movie, really. But I'm... you know, he's he's you know obviously Frank is dealing with the ghosts as his foils through most of the movie, but this is the guy that Frank sees as his usurper. Uh, I don't think that Bryce really even tries to hide the fact that he's coming in eyeing his job. Is that now? I'm not really familiar with the original uh christmas carol story is there a, a character similar to bryce in the original story or this is for the, created for this movie <laughs> no there is there is no there is no bryce there is no one who's like kind of out scrooging scrooge mm-hmm. or anything of that sort but i love that we get because we have bryce we get the moment of him turning the megaphone around and putting it in Frank's <laughs> face that's great i i just love the the passive-aggressive pettiness of that move. <laughs> I would have probably, you know, if I were Frank, I would have smacked it out of his hand, but I just hate everyone, yeah, so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's another thing that, yeah, we there's, there's no character like this. There's no one... No one in the original is giving Scrooge any gruff other than they're trying to cheer him up. Everyone's like, Christmas is wonderful. You should be happy. You should be celebrating. You should have a big goose and be with family and friends. No one is like, you know, not only are you right to be Scrooge, but you're not Scrooge enough. Um, so I like I like that little bit, the the way kind of, you know, maybe like his, I guess, the bedside manner or whatever. The, the way he does it, Bryce is a little bit more smooth. He does it with a smile, but he's, you know, he's just as much of a, a career man and just as much conniving and backstabbing as Frank is, and even slides in at this point when Frank says, oh, "You know, we need to talk." He's like, "Oh no, you know, I'd love to, but um, you know, I'm going to go have drinks with the boss." Yeah, he's <laughs> like, "You're, I'm going to have drinks with your boss." You, the, you know, usually you'd be doing this, but I'm kind of taking your place, and there's nothing you can do about it. But uh, have a good night. He's he's got that sleazy, smarmy, charmy still. Um. Yeah, he's guy. I don't know if he actually says it. If, if he actually refers to anyone as buddy, but he he's like the guy who like calls everybody buddy, but he's nobody's buddy. Yeah, I I don't think we're supposed to like Bryce at all. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, and this this uh, what's it? Uh, I forgot the name. Glover. Uh, uh yeah, John. Yeah, Glover. John Glover. He he does a lot of these parts. Well, he was in uh, Gremlins too. He he like kind of plays these kind of. You know, slick businessmen that that were not you know that we love to hate kind of thing. Um, yeah, he was yeah Daniel Clamp in uh, in Gremlins two, um, also in Batman and Robin, uh, Doctor Jason Woodrow. So um, we'll get to hear all about that when uh, when the Batman boys yeah, a couple years from get now. up to to <laughs> that movie. So uh, shout out to them. So everyone has been released for dinner. Bryce runs off for drinks with the big boss, the, the current live boss, Preston. And our buddy Frank is left alone on a dark set when suddenly he is not alone. <laughs> and it is the next spirit. And it's the great Carol Kane who has bubbles. shown up. Yeah. And <laughs> bubbles. <laughs> this, is, this is where I got reeled in as a kid and, and set up for 
my heartbreak later. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, she, she, there are bubbles and she is bubbly. This is the great Carol Kane that we, of course, know from, from Taxi, uh, from The Princess Bride. Shout out to Princess Bride Minute. And from uh, Transylvania 65000. So she's done lots of great stuff. And yeah, she's, and she is, she is floating on air just as the bubbles <laughs> themselves are. And she, um, she's a very violent spirit. Yeah. Would you, would you agree with that? She's wackadoodle <laughs> yes. in more than one sense of the word. Yeah. Yeah. Wackadoodle. I think that's a, yeah. I, I mean, she, um, I guess she's probably assuming that she has been on this mission before um, because we've got the original tale of, of, of the Christmas Carol with Scrooge. And now we have she's trying to help this Frank Cross guy. She's probably just she assumes that she's going to need to get whoever it is she's sent to teach a lesson to that she's going to need to get their attention. Yeah, she's got to wake these people up. Yeah. She's the second stop, and she's got to get them woken up. Right. Well, I guess another thing, it's appropriate because she is the ghost of Christmas present. So the Christmas past has all the past. The ghost of Christmas past has had, uh, well, in the original, he's had over 1,800. Now it'd be over 1,900 brothers and sisters. And Christmas future, well, we don't know how many futures, but there's a lot. But Christmas present, there's only one. So she doesn't have as much time as the other spirits. So I guess she's got, she feels like she's got to get his attention right away and a um she might, a foot to the groin. She might have to <laughs> whack a doodle to do it. Yeah, we'll we'll get a gentleman's attention. So she well, it's it's interesting, you know that and the sign that she has is the ball breaker suite, which obviously is <laughs> a reference to the Nutcracker suite. Yeah, I, I think it's funny that. They could have stuck with the Nutcracker Suite, and it still would have worked. Yes. Uh, but they changed it to the Ball Breaker Suite anyway. <laughs> I I did not. I, I didn't. I will. I will admit I did not get that. Was in reference to the Nutcracker Suite <laughs> until literally just now. Yeah, me. Either. Yeah. <laughs> also, I had never read the sign until I was preparing for this podcast, and I was like, "Oh, the Ball Breaker Suite." Yeah. The huh, ball that's interesting. Yeah. That's what I'm going to name my house. Yeah, yeah, and and she, and she got a little. Carol got a little rough with with Bill Murray here during the, <laughs> the scene and getting his attention. And uh, what I found in my research is that particularly when when she pulls his lower lip, she uh, that's not acting. She really pulled and grabbed. And there's there's a little piece of skin that kind of connects your gum to your lip, and <laughs> apparently she tore that. On oh. Bill Murray and filming had to cease. Um, I, I could not find how long they had to stop filming, but uh, it took him some time to heal up after this point because I could see it would make it difficult to talk if that little bit of skin was ripped. So apparently she got, uh, you know, speaking of, of method acting, that she got into uh, this bit of beating up Bill Murray a little bit too too well, too enthusiastic about it. Well, just the the. The, the physical comedy between the two of them in this whole sequence is just so good. Mm -hmm. uh, the, I think so. The headbutt, the, the, the Three Stooges eye poke block when he, she goes in for the eye poke and he puts the hand up on the bridge of his nose to stop the fingers. I think it's great. All right. Yeah. It's a big... Well, and he... And when she... Well, first... So she kicks him, then she slaps him, and, like, his face, like, freezes. 
like his, his his mouth and his jaw are off center. Somehow, like he's you know his face stays slapped. I guess even after she's done slapping, which I found I found amusing. I like the big red glittery X so that she yeah. knows right where to hit him. Yes. So so X marks the spot, and well, this brings us to another geographical issue that I have, or I don't know, is it, is it, is it geography when you're dealing with addresses? Is there a different term? Yeah, sure. I don't know. We'll call it geography. But so she says, where are we going perhaps to Harlem? Um, and the next, after, after the next blow, we see that they have arrived at uh, Frank's assistant's uh, Grace, Grace's apartment. But we previously saw her getting off the train and walking to her apartment in Long Island City, in Queens. So they do not... I thought they were going to the doctor earlier. I thought that was coming back from the doctor because we can hear her muttering. She's saying, what was it, like $500 to tell Mm. me you don't, you know, money money I don't have to tell me you don't talk. I know you don't talk. I I thought that was after the doctor and she was coming home at that point. But uh, yeah, so that scene when we see them coming off the train, we could we could tell by the the sign on the the train landing that that's in Long Island City, and now she says uh, we're going to Harlem. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. Yeah, maybe it's the doctor. Well, but, uh, I, you might be right. I think that uh, whoever's doing the set set decorating for this movie is not uh, super great at details because we're back in the shelter, one of the posters on the window has like a misspelling in it or a misuse of a word (laughs) so whoever whoever's in charge of background signage is yeah (laughs) details are not their forte right well yeah like like we said they're they're trying to hit the spirit of of the tale and and maybe they miss some of the details maybe maybe uh, richard donner takes the 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 Spielberg approach that you know oh if they if they're noticing those little details then we're not doing our job and uh, you know. or if they're noticing those little details it's people like us who analyze movies one day <laughs> yeah it's, it's obsessive <laughs> podcasters who watch films a minute at a time or a scene at the time and and look way too closely it's those kind of things that just go by if you're you're just watching it like a normal person but we are we are not normal. So does everyone hear what song is playing in the background on the radio in the apartment? Is it the it's it's the song that plays at the end of the film? Yep, it's right? put a little little love in your heart, the song yeah. from the end of the film. Yep. I don't like that song. <laughs> I'll just say that, and I'll and I'll 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 get a chance to talk about it later when when we reach the end of the film. But I don't know what do you guys what do you guys think of that song? Uh, I like it. I think it's a nice song. I got no beef. I, th- I like I like the use of it in this scene specifically. It's foreshadowing, but you don't know it's foreshadowing. Yeah, I it mean, seems, I'm... Uh, oh, it it seems appropriate that to be playing in this apartment right now. Yeah, well, and uh, Grandma is singing along with it too. That's I didn't I didn't even notice it at first in the background, but then I noticed that she was singing, and I'm like, what is she singing? Oh, she's singing the song, um, kind of the the theme song. For this movie. Yeah. And we get a little alone time. It's just poor, quiet Calvin alone um, being watched by our by Frank and, and our spirit. And uh, 
We see, as Frank says, he's a bright little guy, but he is quiet and kind of really we're, you know, we, we've had some slapstick. We've had some comedy with the Rich, Richard Burton stuff. We've had the, the slapping and the eye pokes and whatnot. And now we're going to get serious. He hasn't spoken since he saw his father killed five years ago. And how old is this kid? I'm bad at judging the ages of children because I would put this kid at five. If I was just guessing. So I was like, uh... <laughs> no, that, that's a, I'd say that's a good guess. I mean, my youngest is six, and he looks like maybe about a year, year and a half older than this kid. I'd say five also. So he saw his father shot as an infant? <laughs> <laughs> and he stopped speaking then? Wouldn't he have to have ever spoken before that? Maybe he's just a really small seven-year-old? Hmm, but Could be. But even that means he was two? Well, I, I mean, those words, they're not, they're not speaking full sentences. I just feel like it's, do we know he doesn't yeah, how have mu- a, how, Yeah, how much talking? I feel, yeah. How much talking had he, sorry. No, I was just going to say, do we know he doesn't have some other developmental disorder? That I mean, I guess we do. <laughs> that's why they're going to the doctor. Right. Maybe the ghost knows that's why he doesn't speak, but his mother d- doesn't know that. Well, yeah, because he can't tell her. Right. Yeah, so I don't. Yeah, I don't know if Grace says anything that would indicate other other than he doesn't speak now. But yeah, so the way the way the spirit says it, he hasn't spoken since. Kind of the implication is, oh, he was speaking before that point. Whereas, like I, I, I think I started talking at like three. I was quiet. I was a very quiet child. I was in no rush to say anything, which, <laughs> and now you can't shut me up on a podcast. But so, yeah, if it, he looked, yeah, about five or six. So would he have been, even if he's a small seven-year-old, how much talking okay. would he have done? To argue with myself. All right, here we go. She is an, uh, an ageless spirit. Mm-hmm. So she may not have any concept of when human beings actually start speaking. All that she knows is father died, no speak since. So, you know, the way she's saying it makes sense to her. We see some logical fallacies with it, but that's just because we have a human perspective. We are not the spirit of Christmas present. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'll, yeah. I, well, I can, I can argue with anyone, that... including, including myself. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and also she she is a spirit that only exists for one day. Right. She's Christmas present. So what does she know? Five years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there have been other <laughs> there were there were other issues. I mean, when we were talking about the ghost of Christmas past, where we see little Frankie at at four years old in in 1955, and then fast forward to 1968. Which is, you know, 13 years later, he would be 17 and, well, one, he's working in an office and not in school. And two, he's as bald as he's going to be when he's 40. I mean, his, his hairline has receded way more than your average 17-year-old. So, uh, again, I think they're capturing the spirit of the tale. Some of the details may be off. Um, but, yeah, it could just be um, this is yeah, this is not the spirit of mathematics. <laughs> this is not the spirit that I would go I like to her. for numbers. Yeah, and that's why we like her. Again, she's capturing the emotion, the spirit, maybe some of the details are off. And but and then how does Frank not know? I mean, this is we we know he's a jerk. We know he is putting career 
his and his own career over personal relationships and, and and all other concerns. How does he not know that Grace's husband has been dead for five years, or that he was like murdered or like killed, not just yeah. that he and killed, passed away yeah. quietly. When I would think, even in his, you know, his self-centeredness and his career focus, like he might start noticing that. You know, Grace doesn't have any help. There's no one to bring Calvin to doctor's appointments and, and stuff like that, where suddenly it becomes more of an issue if she has to work late because the the father is not around anymore. He doesn't even like, recognize Wouldn't he have noticed he that? He doesn't recognize Calvin yeah. at the uh, on set. Yeah. Maybe he's just, he's just that selfish and self-centered. Oh, well, yeah, to yeah. him, Grace doesn't exist outside work. Grace is only... She only takes corporeal form when she is at work being his assistant. Not she she has no she does not exist for him outside those walls. Yeah, that's the line from I guess maybe it was in I don't know which segment it was in, but it's before the one we're doing today where he says, you know, if you can't work late, I can't work late, and if I can't work late, I can't work late. It's if she's right. she's not working, it doesn't mean any it, it doesn't matter to him. Right. What a jerk. <laughs> Um. All right. So, anything else on our visit with the coolies? Are we ready to move I, on? I have to... one comment that oh. I can't keep inside. Can I just state uh, that stomach raspberries really creep me out? Oh, I yeah. have that note. That kid is way too old for stomach raspberries. <laughs> yeah, inappropriate. That's, that's a baby thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the kid is too old. He's probably like thirteen, fourteen. You think he's, he's his sisters he's are doing man. it to him. His mother's doing it to him. Yeah. Um, Frank is definitely old enough. If you're old enough that there's like visible hair on your stomach, <laughs> then no, it's uh, that is yeah, that is the a baby thing. <laughs> baby baby belly raspberries, absolutely thumbs up. Uh, grown up man raspberries. Yeah, there's lots of uncomfortable touching in this movie. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's showing us that this the the, the Cooley household close. it's. You know, they may be short on money and they're they're down a father, but they are still full of love. That you you know, they're making the most of what they got. Indeed. I guess that's part of the lesson. And so then we move to the household of uh I guess it's well, we don't know actually whose home it is, but we've got uh two Murray brothers that are playing two cross brothers with their Wives, and it looks like there's uh, friends, another couple, uh, friends and family, lighting candles, gathered around playing Trivia Pursuit. So this is the house being renovated? Is that what they're doing? They're like, <laughs> no, it's just, it's my house. <laughs> there's just always something half painted in my house. <laughs> I think it's just supposed to be this is, you know, Manhattan in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the same thing. I think it's, that's, that's their decor that they're going for. <laughs> That's a, that was a look then. Same. It just half painted and, and wall and open gutted walls. Don't ever come to my house. <laughs> you will be you will be displeased with their I my yeah. <laughs> I literally have a wall where you where I just like painted to the window and didn't want to move the couch, so I stopped. And that was two years ago, <laughs> and I never finished. Yeah. Um, it, it, though it is odd because there's like, I guess like three of the four walls, we don't really get a, a wide 
angle where we can see the whole thing. But most of it looks like finished. You know, the wall is, is covered. It's drywall. It's been painted and covered over. And then one of it, although is that supposed to be, maybe it's just that's where um, Frank and the Spirit came through. They kind of did the, you know, the hey Kool-Aid thing and they burst through one of the walls. Maybe they on, only they and we see that one wall is incomplete. How about that? Uh, that for the people that are in the room, it's a completely full wall. It's painted. It's finished. It's everything. It's just us that are seeing that. It looks like they're going to make no. it have um, like an exposed spiral staircase. Yeah. Because this is the late 80s and the late 80s, early 90s. That was a thing like that exposed spiral staircase that, you know, you is really, pay, you know, annoying to walk up and down, but super cool to look at. Because it is kind of, it's a staircase <laughs> yeah. that's like turning a corner and they've knocked out, it looks like they're getting, starting to knock out the walls around it. And I think when we first arrived there, is the dumpster on the street outside their apartment? Like they're renovating? Yeah, that's, that's the vibe I got. It's, it's, it, this house looks the same as uh, the house from Home Alone 2. Yeah, there's a dumpster outside their house. They're, I think they're renovating. Oh, okay. Because they've got... I, see, I- I, th- I think they, they've they also got, like, a really nice Christmas tree for living in. I, I just imagine buying a tree that big and full of, and plush has to be really expensive in New York City. Yeah, okay. I, I, I saw the dumpster. I thought that I assumed it was in front of Grace's apartment, but that makes a lot more sense. It's in front of the brother's apartment. They're renovating. We got some young urban professionals up in here. Uh, Uh, And you know what else? I also see now in the shot when the dog is barking in Bill Murray's face, there's there's painting supplies for painting the walls on the floor there. Okay. So yeah, this is this a renovation. It's not it's not cool chic color. It's just a renovation. But but look look at right next to the fireplace. They got a pair of skis. Yeah, there's the skis. So yeah, they got money. I, I so think they, yeah, they, they got money the for door skis before you have people over for Christmas. Just right. <laughs> even I have standards, some standards. Like, come over, <laughs> Although his his brother is like holding on to this VCR for dear life. I mean, they're playing they're like they're not even they're not in the process of opening up presents. They're playing you know Trivia Pursuit or they're doing this trivia game, and he's got the VCR in his lap like it's a ch- like it's it's a child, it's a baby. <laughs> like you can put the VCR down. No one's, you know. I know crime is tough in the city, but I think you're safe in, inside the apartment. <laughs> I mean, he just wants to open up. He's excited to open up and read the manual. He just can't believe yeah. he's got a pioneer electronic. He loves manuals. This is, yeah. This is a what I like this pioneer, the, the, Sean. A pioneer. Woo! Bang zoom. Um, I like the array of beverages that they have on. On, on the coffee table here. So there's looks like like champagne or uh, sparkling wine in one bottle. There's a punch ball. And then in between is the Bacardi. I guess Bacardi and Pioneer are like the big sponsors of this because we had a Bacardi earlier. Uh, the, the ghost of um, Lee Hayward, um, <laughs> Frank's old boss, was also drinking Bacardi. So uh, I guess the Bacardi folks got their, their hooks on him, too. Bacardi and Pioneer. That's a great combination. It's it's a very it seems very late eighties to me. As someone who was definitely alive at in legal drinking age in the late eighties. Mm. <laughs> yep. 
Now, how many candles do you light when you have friends over for Christmas Eve? Zero, because I don't want to burn my house down. Because <laughs> this was another thing when we saw um, Frank and Claire's apartment in 19, well, I guess it was 1969 when they were living together and they had candles all over the place. But I guess that's, you know, that's the 60s, whatever that was, you know, she's kind of a hippie. That's the way we're doing it. Like every surface was covered with, with candles in that scene. And here there's, they're not just by candlelight. There's obviously additional artificial lights. They've got a lamp on, but they do seem to have an awful lot of candles just kind of um, I, so scattered throughout the apartment. I do decorate with candles for Christmas. Like I have a, on the buffet in my dining room, I have like an arrangement mm-hmm. of candlesticks with candles in them right now for Christmas specifically. Okay. I don't light them because I, like I them. am a fire hazard, but... The concept is, it makes sense to me. I actually really like that that red, white, and green candle arrangement in those uh, wooden candlesticks with a varying mm-hmm. heights. I, I really, I, I'm a big fan. It is, it is appropriate for the, the season, yes. Um, and now, so the, the Ghost of Christmas present, uh, not to confuse present with presents, uh, covers Frank's ears. When the family is discussing the present that they got for Frank. So what do you guys think? Do you guys like to be surprised? Are you sneak? You know, do you sneak? Do you, are you shakers? Do you shake boxes? If you see, you know, if you found, if you find like a wrap present around the house, or do you like to be surprised? I hate surprises. I want to be surprised. <laughs> I usually hate surprises, but gifts are good to be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, I like to be surprised, but I don't want to know that there's a surprise. Like if I find something that's wrapped, then I um, I won't go so far as shake it, but I may like judge it for weight. Oh, I like thing. don't even want to pick it up and move it because I'm yeah. like, I, I'm, I don't want to know what it is. Right. Um, I mean, I'd, I'd rather like not know it's coming. Like if I don't see it, like I won't go looking you know, to see if my wife's hidden anything around the house. But if she leaves but something out. you don't out, want it to appear under the tree five days early? No. <laughs> I want everything to just magically appear Christmas Eve. I Yeah. <laughs> I like the look of wrapped gifts under the tree. It's all about the uh, appearance. <laughs> it's, it's all about setting the scene for me. Um, but yeah, I, I don't even like to pass out the gifts at, you know, to be Santa's helper at extended family Christmas when you're handing out the gifts. Cause I don't want to, I don't know. I don't want to ruin the surprise of. <laughs> yeah. All right. All about the surprise. I'm just like, Oh, well, I guess this is a stand mixer. Cause it weighs a hundred pounds. <laughs> yeah. That's it's kind of hard to disguise, disguise those things. The, the kitchen is heavy. I just ordered my dad um, a deli, uh, deli slicer. I love that. That's, oh. that's great. Those are so handy to have around. Are you gonna? Are you gonna like? Are you gonna actually wrap it? Or are you gonna get a bag big enough to put it like a gift bag? I'll I'll probably wrap it. I mean, I'll I'll do right. I'll do my best. And I'll wrap it when I get you know. I'll probably get get it shipped in this week, and then I'll uh, yeah. It's gonna take you till Christmas to get it wrapped because it's so big and weird shape. It looked. It's not too bad. It looks like it looks smaller than a than a smaller than most microwaves. It was oh. It got right. a good rating. It was like it was like a hundred dollars, and it got a rating for like good like home home appliance deli slicing. It's got like a six inch serrated and flat blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't need the 
He's probably not doing enough slicing. No. He doesn't need like the full size deli but he's, professional. He's talking about it for a while because every time we get like a big roast, he immediately's like he wants to slice it up and make sandwiches out of it. Uh, and then he's like, he's trying to use the electric turkey knife. He's like, this isn't good enough. So yeah. I'm like, all right, we'll figure out something that we'll try to like, you know, get a hunk of that roast, whatever that roast is, or that ham, and then try to like do it ourselves. That'll be our project. All right. Well, uh, speaking of, of presents and, well, speaking of surprises, I don't know if this toaster <laughs> was a present, but. Yeah, Frank gets a, a toaster to the noggin, and that knocks him into our next scene, um, which will be the last for this segment of the movie. But before we get on to uh, the last little bit, um, so another another question for you guys, for our guests, is uh, what are some of your, what are your, what's your favorite Christmas season movie? What are some of your favorite hol- holiday movies, in addition to the, the Scrooges, of course? What do you like? And this time, uh, we'll, let's start with Eric. Um, a Christmas Story. Good, yeah, mm. that's a good one. And despite what Bruce Willis says, Die Hard. <laughs> Absolutely. I haven't heard. I haven't yeah. listened to what Bruce Willis has said in like probably a decade. Well, that was a wise move. Yeah, it's like your part. You, you did a great job, but I don't want to hear a damn thing you say. Yeah, Die Hard, absolutely Christmas movie. Um, so yeah, Liz, what are some of your favorites? Uh, also, a big fan of Muppets Christmas Carol. Yeah. I also I love. Uh, Probably my favorite Christmas movie is uh, Charlie. The well, it's not really a movie; it's the Charlie Brown Christmas. So it's like a thirty-minute TV special. But yeah, uh, I I love the Linus speech. Mm-hmm. And then my real tradition is every year while I'm wrapping gifts, I watch Star Wars. Mm. <laughs> I don't, so Star Wars, the motion <laughs> picture, is a Christmas movie for me. Okay. I never quite thought of it, but if that's, you know, it, if you watch it at Christmas, it's a Christmas movie. I think it started because I am a procrastinator, so I was always uh, wrapping my presents on Christmas Eve. And like 10 or so years ago, Spike used to play Star Wars on Christmas Eve, just nonstop. Mm-hmm. And so it just, for a couple years in a row, it happened that uh, 1977 Star Wars was playing while I was wrapping my gifts. And I would watch it, and so now I put it on when I'm rapping. All right. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um, so, all right. So, Dave, we know how you feel about this film. We know how you feel about the Muppets. <laughs> Are there any movies you do like? Uh, I mean, it's yeah, the Christmas Story marathon all day is great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I watch Die Hard. That is fun. Uh, my new favorite tradition now. Is and that's the that's the the millennial YouTube generation has brought this to my attention, but I, I like sharing that Folgers commercial that hints at incest between the, uh, the oh! siblings. That's been a new favorite of mine. I just kind of share that around to people, and have a good laugh. <laughs> okay. The, what? what? Uh, yeah. See, it's the <laughs> yeah. old people that don't know about this. That's young folks. I know what you're talking about, Dave. Not only that, but there's been a couple parody edits and an, and a couple of extended. Uh, like funny or die versions of like what if the commercial kept going? All right, so Eric, in the in the uh, early eighties, late seventies, there was a commercial, and it was a uh, no. This commercial aired well, yeah, in, no, the early, in the two thousand. Yeah, so that was the remake. That was the remake. Oh, okay. So the original commercial you may remember this is the son is uh, at the Peace Corps. He comes home early in the morning on Christmas. And the first thing he's excited to see his family is they made him a fresh pot of Folgers coffee, and he smells it. Do you remember this commercial? 
Yes, Okay, I well, do. they remade it. They remade it in the 2000s. And it's the same thing. He's away. He mentions he was away in, like, Africa on some, like, some trip, some volunteer trip. So the sister answers the door. She's excited to see him. She, she, uh, she's, she's making him coffee. And, uh, and so, yeah, he, he gives her a, a uh, he gives her a box with a bow on it. She takes a bow and she puts it on him. He's like, what are you doing? She's like, you're my present this year. And then they, and then the camera holds on their look like just a second too long. And then on her eyes and his eyes, just like half a second too much. And it's like, and it goes from like, oh, like, oh gosh, she's looking forward to him to like, was there something we missed? Was there something going on here? And then, the, and then, and then like, and then the parents come in. They're like, oh, Folgers. Nothing comes closer to home. But there's been an edit. There's an edit. There's a there's a there's an edit where between their looks, somebody edited in like uh, a hand going on someone's pants, and it's just like that extra, just that extra little bit. It oh, it's yeah, like somewhere in between the conceptual the like the conceptualization and filming of this commercial, someone forgot that this is a brother and sister. Or they never had siblings and don't realize how much, like if when my brother, if, if when my brother walks in the door, I'm like, uh, hi, like, I I am not, not gonna we I might give you a hug maybe maybe I'm never putting a bow on one of my brothers and saying you're my present this year you're my present yeah us us only children love this shit. <laughs> we we get to we get to have immunity and we get to pass it around to all of our friends who have siblings. But even you know it's not normal behavior, right? Yeah, but just the novelty of it. It's like you can't how many commercials can you point to and say there's an incest subplot here? Yeah, it doesn't make you wanna <laughs> it doesn't make you throw up a little bit in your mouth. I don't know, it makes it makes me just do like, well I said I, I said I'm uh, I'm an only child. I'm completely immune to it. So I just I just got a giggle out of it. I go, <laughs> Oh, what were they thinking? Like how did this get? Pissed? I have an so, involuntary reaction to it, and maybe that's yeah. what it is. I get a kick out of that. I get a kick out of people going like, "Oh, geez, here he goes. You sharing that clip again?" They have a good laugh. <laughs> it's my tradition. There you go. Well, good, good to have tradition. <laughs> so yeah. So speaking of kind of favorite holiday movies, I mentioned uh, not not one of my favorites, but. Uh, I know my mother's favorite version of A Christmas Carol is the 1951 Alistair, uh, Alistair Sim version of, uh, of Charles Dickens, where Alistair Sim plays Scrooge, of course. I mention that because it gives me a chance to, uh, to call back to a previous scene. I forgot to mention um, that uh, we get a scene when we're back in Grace's apartment, we get a scene of Calvin uh, sitting in front of the TV playing a Christmas Carol, and it's black and white. It's the um, it, it is this 1951 version with Alistair Sim, and that's a, a thing for Richard Donner. That also uh, that same version of a Christmas Carol is playing in uh, Lethal Weapon as well um, from 1987. So it's uh, I guess I guess his favorite version probably. So that's what's playing when Gary Busey shoots the TV. Yeah, I it think so. It's, yeah, it's freaking Christmas. Okay, yeah, all right. Yeah, so uh, so my mother and uh, Richard Donner, big fan of the Alistair uh, <laughs> Sim version. Did you ever, did you ever watch that 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 video talked about Shane Black and Christmas? 
how he like he likes to write about it because he kind of like you kind of like you could deal more with uh, you could do more interesting things with characters around the holidays. That's why he likes all of his movies. Always seem to take place around the holidays. Uh, no, no, I haven't. Because he's seen the that. one. Yeah, he told he apparently was the one who gave uh, McTiernan the hint to uh, do it do oh. Die Hard at Christmas. Okay, well that makes sense. I mean, so I mean, do you think is Kiss Kiss Bang Bang a Christmas movie? Um, I. I definitely think so. I mean, like, uh, it's kind of weird. It's like they're all there's all uh, there's all uh, I, I, it's all like a uh, an article, an essay that could be written about that about Shane Black and the Christmas. I mean, uh, I, if mm-hmm. anything, if his, his most Christmas movie is probably Long Kiss Goodnight with Gina Davis, where she's the assassin who mm-hmm. who, oh, yeah. who she yeah. she uh, she she's a, she's a single she's a mother who doesn't know her own past. You ever see this, Liz? Gina Davis is a mother who doesn't know her past, and then she gets her past. But, and she realizes she's been she's an assassin that lost her memory, and her and uh, it, it's a Captain Marvel trailer, but Gina Davis is shooting bad guys. That's pretty much the movie. <laughs> like honestly, every time they show young Sam Jackson, I'm like you could tell yeah. me this was a shot from the Long Kiss Goodnight, and I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. All right. All right. So back to the Scrooged film. <laughs> And we are whisked away. Frank Cross is going to get one more vision of Christmas present. And now we are back with our buddy Herman. Oh, hmm. Herm, Herm did not get his $2. He was not able to heat his place. Uh, this, this, is, this is honestly probably the most emotional packed moment of the Ghost of Christmas present she did. I think this hits me the hardest. Yeah, I mean, well, this is, you know, yeah, I think this is supposed to hit you hard. And this is another change from from the original. You know, in the original, we see Tiny Tim, uh, Bob Cratchit's boy, is not well. The Christmas present, I believe, alludes to it. He says he sees uh, an empty seat at the Cratchit table in the future, but we don't actually see it in this section of the book. But uh, we get it here in this section of the movie. Um, Frank is con- confronted with mortality um, maybe not his own but yeah poor poor Herman and he's you know he's upset he's showing a little bit humanity of this guy that you know maybe they didn't spend a lot of time together but for that short period of time um, they must have built up some kind of rapport because um, Frank is really bugging out and this is yeah when he when he first sees Herman he will uh, never he does a great job with that scared nervous laugh. Uh, that he does as his brain's trying to cope with what he's seeing in front of him. I think that's a nice little bit there that he does. And actually, this is one time I I generally dislike when people are just completely angry, shouty all the time. But this mm-hmm. is one scene in which I find Frank being getting angry at Herman and yelling at Herman. I find it it's that's what pushes my the emotional the emo, tips the emotional scales it's because anger's really the only way frank knows to deal with anything and he's so upset that this this bad thing has happened to herman that he's going to be mad at herman and i i think that's a pretty human reaction is to be uh, to be mad at the person that's no longer there 
because it's a little easier than being mad at yourself or mad at something, uh, mad at something larger, like a, a crappy situation. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, and it hits, I think it hints at some of the growth that Frank is going through, but it is that kind of reaction that sometimes, sometimes it's natural. Sometimes it has, you're, you're upset with yourself, you know, you're to blame or you did wrong, but you lash out out of yeah, guilt or frustration or anger, whatever it is. He's grown enough to care, but he hasn't grown enough to be able, be comfortable with being angry at himself. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just the, the, the five stages of grief. The first one is denial. And when he first looks at him, he's like, oh, hey, Herman, like he, he can't accept that he's actually dead. And the second stage is anger. And he moves right into that. Though. Yeah. Well, that's true. I mean, yeah. And he, he sure spends a lot of time in denial for looking at an angelic ice cube. Because Herman does look pretty angelic in his frozen form. He's got this beatific smile on his face, and mm-hmm. uh, but he is very obviously not actively alive. I I I I, I think the, um, I'm trying to think this this moment. I feel like is in every Christmas Carol in some way. It's the that bridging moment between the present and the future, where yeah, where he where the the ghost of Christmas present shows him something that yeah that is definitely his fault. But it's also it's also it also shows fault to the audience too that this isn't just this is just because of Frank or Scrooge like okay like um this is the similar moment like in in George C. Scott one when when it goes to Christmas present shows him what's under his robe and it's like those starving children I think it's like ignorance and want I think is their names mm-hmm. and it's right oh, right and it's right, like right. one will never be satisfied because it's want. And one will never be seen because it's ignored. And and like I think he sh- at this point, and he shows him like the outskirts of the city, where it's like these are the the po- the very very poor who like they they're not even Bob Cratchit level, like they have nothing nothing. And I think that's when and I think that's when present leaves him there. He doesn't take him back to better than I think he I think he just leaves him there. And then like he turns around and that's when the Ghost of Christmas Future shows up. So I'm trying to remember what the other Christmas Carol movies do, but this is one of my favorite parts of the one because I said when I like the horror, dark aspects of Christmas Carol, this is like the one of the most darkest points in the story usually, where it's like yeah. not only is this is yeah. Scrooge's fault, this is you pointing at the audience. This is your fault because you you know we're not, we're, we're ignoring the the poor and the needy. You were the one that wanted something instead of giving the people that needed something. Right. Yeah. We can say, you know, Bob Cratchit's kid or Grace's kid. Well, you know, the the boss, whether it's Scrooge or Frank, they should, you know, pay them better and give them more time off to spend with their family. And, and they should be better bosses. But this is nailing down the, the message that there's there's issues with society. There's people that yeah. are. Yeah, all our responsibility that we could all be taken yeah. care of. So it's speaking Frank to us didn't, directly. Frank didn't just fail Herman. The 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 system failed Herman. The city, the society right. failed Herman. Yeah. Um, the one good thing he has is he believes he saw, uh, what's his name? Richard, um, Richard, Richard Burton. Burton. That's the smile. Liz Taylor's husband. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Liz Taylor's Mr. husband. Mr. Liz Taylor. He, he, he believes, yeah. yeah, he's smiling because he believes he saw 
Liz, Liz Taylor's husband. He's like, oh, what a what a nice thing I saw today. What a treat. So, but yeah, I... Uh, Andy talked to me. And he talked to me, yeah. I'm, tr- I'm, I'm trying to think. What? All right, all right. You guys like the Muppets crowd. What happens at this point in the story? Like, where does the... Who play? I forget who plays the Ghost of Christmas Present in in Muppets, and what do they uh, do with 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 uh, Michael Caine at this point? It's so it's a Muppet. Mm-hmm. The the ghost all the the, the ghosts. Muppet. Yeah, it it's a um, it's a large cheery Muppet. Okay. Yeah, it's sort of like a Hagrid. Yeah, he's like um, a Dionysus Hagrid combo. Yeah. And he keeps repeating one phrase. Uh, yeah. Was it know me better, man? Yeah. Uh, like yeah. Open oh, something and know me better, man. Yeah. Yeah. For the exact. Uh, which is like <laughs> the number of times I've seen that movie. Right. Um, I should I should know it by heart. Uh, I don't think they have an equivalent to this because that keeps. Come in and know me better, man. Sorry. That's it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the the Muppet actually, they keep very close to the original tale. So you know, there yeah, there's there's no human or there's no uh, Herman in the Muppets Christmas Carol. I don't think there's an equivalent to this scene because there's nothing like this in um, in the Dickens original. Yeah, because there's no interstitial waking hours in that. Is there is there like do they show any Muppets that are like really cold or something that like Scrooge should have helped? Like I think are there are because there's are the mice do the mice freeze because uh, I know in the beginning and like sort of the opening number there's you know mice begging for cheese. Yeah, I think there are some maybe freezing quaking mice yeah. around in well, this scene. Yeah. I mean, I know at one point uh, Rizzo the rat falls into a bucket of water and comes out frozen as a. A ratsicle. Yeah, but nobody can see Rizzo, except for uh, except Gonzo. Gonzo. Yeah, yeah. So there you go, and so that brings us through. So Frank, panicked, scared, guilty, perhaps, uh, breaks through the door from this. I don't know basement sewer. We can see there's grates, you know, up to the street overhead. But he breaks through, and he's suddenly back. Back where we started, back on set of Scrooged. And that brings us to the end of night four of our presentation. Um, so any anything else you, you folks would, would like to say on, you know, on, on this particular, uh, you know, this this particular ghost of Christmas past or sorry, Christmas present or, um, you know, anything else on on the movie in general, on the Scrooged, on on Bill Murray, on Herman. I, I wish you had ended our segment about four seconds later so we could have seen the barrel hit the sensor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this poor woman. I mean, her and her, her, her. I said, I'm not a huge fan of slapstick, so I think I rolled my eyes a lot at this. Um, yeah, so there's, yeah, so she's been, she got clocked by a lamppost. She got flattened by a falling set. Now she's about to get run over. Um, actually, I, I tried to cut it up along the chapter marks. On the DVD, so I will blame the for, for this particular cut. But yeah, as 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 Frank bursts through onto the set, he knocks over a barrel that is going to, in a few seconds, uh, is going to roll right over our uh, our poor sensor. <laughs> so we've got that to look forward to uh, tomorrow. 
but no wacky Carol Kane, so... Nope. The, uh, her, her time is done, so we are on to the next spirit. All right, well, so, so wrapping up for, for this evening... Um, so, guess I'll, I'll I'll start with Liz. So, folks, if I'm sure our listeners want to hear more of your insightful insightful comments and and what you have to say about some other movies, <laughs> where can folks hear more from Liz? You can hear more from me five days a week on Mean Girls Minute. It's a podcast where we talk about the movie Mean Girls minute by minute. And by the time this comes out, you can actually pretty much binge almost the entire movie. That's my gift to you, listeners. There you go. And you can follow Mean Girls Minute on Twitter at Mean Girls Minute and find out what is coming next for me, where so you can keep hearing me. Yeah, as I'm as I'm sure folks will the, want to do. It's a gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> the gift. <laughs> yes, it does. And and uh, I saw Eric, buddy Eric. Where can folks hear more from you? Uh, yes, uh, we have completed Flash Gordon Minutes, so you can binge the entire thing uh, if you want to. We just finished a few weeks ago. Um, uh, we are on Facebook if you want to then chat with us about it in the Flash Gordon Minute Listener's Vortex. We are also on Twitter, Flash Gordon Pod, Flash Gordon Minute. Yeah, that's one of my favorite movies and one of my favorite podcasts. So I encourage people, if you haven't seen it... Um, this is not the Flash, the, the comic <laughs> book. This is a, a yeah. I, I don't know if I told this. I was a guest. Uh, um, Eric and his co-host Brad were nice enough to have me on. I believe I was their first guest. You were our, our first um, guest. That's I right. was. I was very honored. I don't know if I told this story when I was on, but uh, I, I was rewatching the movie in preparation for the podcast, and I was. Um, I sat down with my wife. She had not. She had not seen the movie before. It was her first time, and. Uh, I think about five or ten minutes in, she's like, so this isn't the guy who runs really fast? <laughs> no, so it is not not that Flash. It is a uh, from a different comic. It is uh, Flash Gordon, a, a, a great movie and a great podcast. So, uh, folks, folks, check that out. And uh, Mr. Dave, I know our listeners will, will know this, but tell them anyway. Where can they hear more Dave Palace? Uh, well, they can find me over at uh, Five Minutes of Mystery, where I, uh, I discuss the 1999 superhero comedy ensemble Mystery Men, Five Minute Intervals. Yeah, and then uh, Dave was also on a little thing called Groundhog Minute. So uh, if you have not listened to that, you should check it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, let us know, listeners, let us know what are your, your, your favorite versions, your favorite uh, your favorite adaptations of A Christmas Carol, your favorite holiday movies. What what bits of trivia? What do we get wrong? What do you like or dislike about about this movie? About Carol Kane? Everything else? You can uh, you can let us know about it on Facebook. Uh, we have a group, the Jelly of the Month Club, um, where we talk about National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation and Scrooged and and all other holiday classics. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at NLC Vacation Days and uh, and on the web at GroundhogMinute.com, which is the uh, the home base for uh, the Groundhog Minute podcast, for Scrooge by the Ghost, for Planes, Trains, and Automobile Days, and, and all sorts of other fun stuff. And, uh, you know, my deep, deep, deep heartfelt apologies to, to Pete Mummert. We did not get to uh, that recorded holiday message um, I, I have it. He he was kind enough to record it. He sent it along. Um, I promise you next time. So please come back for the next episode. Um, we'll have that 
Um, we'll have that message from Pete Mummert. Uh, so come on back for the next spirit of Scrooged by the Ghost. Does that make like two holidays in a row now? <laughs> All right. Let's see what happens next year.